when you're not afraid of death, you've taken away your enemy's greatest weapon. Are you willing for your company to die? Are you willing for your identity in career or your assignment or the furniture to be rearranged? Doesn't matter how bad a recession's gonna get, doesn't matter about anything. If you're all holding it open-handed before the Lord as a sacrifice, not just having your heart surrendered, but for me as a business owner of 38 years saying, Lord, you can, you can take the thermometer down, you can bring it up. And I'm happy to go with however you'd like it to be. And I think it's a heart, it's a heart posture for us business owners of saying, God owns my business. It's easy to say, but when push comes to shove and things get gnarly, how are you going to manage your vendors? How are you going to manage your team? How, are you willing to just say, hey, this is my father's business. What does that do for me? It makes it less emotional for me. Because if it's my dad's, if, you know, if it's my dad's, why am I getting so bad out of shape? Are you a follower of Jesus that feels called to expand the kingdom of God through building and growing successful businesses? If that's you, then welcome to the Kingdom Capitalist Show that interviews amazing Christians using their business and money-making abilities to expand God's kingdom all over the globe. I'm your host, Ellis Hammond, and welcome to the show. Kingdom Capitalist community, I am so excited to be able to present this special episode for you. This is actually a panel from our Kingdom Capitalist Summit that we just had titled Leadership in a Time of Adversity. And we literally have six or seven of the country's greatest kingdom-minded leaders running and growing successful businesses right now. And their perspective is just incredible. Um, a lot of these panelists have been on our podcast show before, like Vinny Fisher, four-time eight-figure business owner, Noah Elias, uh, Jeff Heck, um, Joey Gilkey, uh, and then new guests like Pam Jordan, who's a financial expert and profit-first professional, and um, John Rulin, who wrote the book Giftology and is just a, a marketing genius. And so this panel was really, really powerful. I thought it just had some incredible insights for us right now in this unique time. And so I wanted to share that with you. And let me remind you, if you have, if you were not at the KC Summit, you can still get those recordings for literally dollars. Um, they are, I mean, there is just some world-class training here on how to grow your business, how to form and grow a kingdom mindset. And so all you have to do is go to kcsummit2020.com. That's kcsummit 2020.com. Go grab those recordings. I'm telling you for literally the cost of a book, you can get hours of training from world-class leaders who are kingdom-driven. So anyways, I hope you enjoyed the show. Let's get into it. Audience, for allowing me the opportunity to host this panel. I am so, so thrilled about this. Um, it's like I've woke, uh, it's like I've woken up in a real-life dream. Um, Really, really cool. Some amazing CEOs and leaders here. Uh, so, so thankful for all of you and your participation at the summit. Um, before you entered, well, I'll let you take a second now and introduce yourself. Most people have heard most of you because all of you spoke, I think, except Jeff. Um, but why don't you just take a second? We'll start Vinny and then Pam because um, I'm seeing you on my screen. And just real quick again, who you are, where you're at in the, in the country, and then uh, what your business is again. Hi, thanks, Alice. I'm Vinny Fisher. I'm the CEO of Fully Accountable. I live in a little community just south of Cleveland, Ohio, called Akron. Uh, and so I have a household filled with six humans right now. 
the good news for us is that we used to homeschool our kids. So it's like working out a muscle we haven't worked out in a while. Like it, once it got working out, we um, were able to make it through. But uh, yeah, so thanks for having me. Uh, we're about to go live as a state again. So I'm excited to see Enterprise, like you Georgians, uh, start to kick back in. So it'll be good. Pam and then Jeff. Sweet. So my name is Pam Jordan. My company is Pivot Business Group. Um, I am in the lovely state of North Carolina, and um, I am not used to homeschooling, and it is the ninth ring of, I'm a pastor's wife, and apparently you're supposed to do all these things, and I really suck at homeschooling. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure we're going to pass third and fifth grade, but it's iffy. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Jeff, uh, Mike, and then uh, Noah, welcome to the call, man. Let's, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Miss John. Um, uh, Jeff, John, and Mike. Hey, Jeff Heck. Um, I'm down in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Ohio native, Cincinnati originally. And uh, I run a small, uh, mid sized craft brewery that helped start about uh, 11 years ago. And uh, before that, spent about 10 years in private equity. So I have this weird balance of, uh, yeah, working in the finance world and then kind of getting back into the, the roots and the day-to-day -day operations of running a business. Uh, married for 16 years and have uh, four kids uh, and also trying to figure out homeschooling. So with mixed results. Uh, so John Rulin, um, originally an Ohio boy, 30 years, goat milking, 47 acres in the middle of nowhere. Not too far from Benny, actually. So I've got some Ohio roots. I live outside of St. Louis now. Uh, wife uh, of almost 11 years. We have four daughters, nine, seven, four in four months. So if I have bags under my eyes, or, uh, there's a lot of estrogen in our house and there's definitely very little sleep. Um, I run a company. I started business 20 years ago. Uh, this year, um, when I was a kid in college, uh, around Cutco Knives and Generosity. And there's the book there. Giftology is the company. And so we teach people how to be to use gratitude, generosity, and gifting as a, uh, as a revenue driver, as a competitive advantage to build relationships. Is that what the book comes in, in that bag like that? Man, this you are like a man of your word, John. Yeah. That's baller. Yeah. It was a huge hit yeah. day, man. I mean, seriously, like I, people have been talking about it all day. So great. Well, listen, everything today. that John and his team do are baller. It's yeah. really awesome. Like uh, stuff, what comes yeah. out of his mouth, he eats his own dog food. So it's but Gosh, I wasn't saying, make me blush. John, John had the spotlight until Mike got on the stage today. So uh, who, Mike, introduce yourself. Great, great talk today, man. I know people were really, really loving he that. Killed as well. it, it, was, it was bangers. It was Noah and then Mike. It was like bang, bang. So uh, it was incredible. Mike. Introduce yourself, man, Noah, and then Noah can finish this up. So I run the John Rulin Fan Club. It's a, a low-wage, high-satisfaction high <laughs> business. And so on the lots side – Lots of love, lots of gifts. Lots, lots of, of love, gifts. lots of gifts. John is the real deal. He's even cooler to know offstage than on stage. Um, so I'm Mike Sherr. I live in San Antonio, Texas, but I'm an Alaskan transplant, so I'm a reluctant Texan, which is a weird syndrome to have. I'm a dad of two girls, which means John and I could probably do a duo cover of most Frozen songs pretty darn well. <laughs> forward um, and backward. Forward and backwards. Yeah, married 18 years, and I get to lead a business called the C12 Group. So we essentially I run a small business with 18 employees, but we've got 110 full-time field leaders who run their own businesses, running CEO peer groups all around the U.S., South America, and Asia. And so it's a, a cool deal. 
You can serve like 25, 2,600 people like folks in this conference. So this is my, these are my people. This is my stuff. And, uh, awesome. and then I support John. This is an amazing organization. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Noah? Finish this up here, man. Thanks for having me, Noah Elias. Um, married almost 20 years to Chantel, my beautiful bride. We live here in Orange County, California. About eight minutes to Disney's doorstep, which happens to be one of my biggest clients for the last 15 years. They, they became one of my biggest customers. So um, think of paintings and limited edition art. I make paintings and art and do all the fulfillment. And they're one of my biggest wholesale accounts. And so I do special events with them. Use that as kind of a launching pad to build uh, two other companies, a, a branding and agency company called uh, Noah Studios. We take ministries and extraordinary individuals and help them steward and ship with their brand. And then on the other side of it is I do my own coaching and mentoring through the master's program in partnership with uh, Bob Shank in the master's program. We have relationships with gospel patrons, generous giving, and other organizations. And then we're in the process of launching a kingdom initiative that is an um, investment platform, collaboration, and curriculum to help influencers uh, build God's kingdom through their uh, lifestyle and through their finances and stewardship. So it's been a it's been a fun journey two awesome kids got a 15 year old son on the uh, autism spectrum we do homeschooling we've been never always been in homeschooling and then my daughter 16 um she's about to turn 17 so our plate is full we're stoked um we've kind of been living this lifestyle before all this happened so just really grateful too thank you very much and um yeah just grateful to be with you guys and casting the net together so thank you guys so much for having me i'm honored yeah no, so great to have you today, uh, Noah. And Joey, why don't uh, you two make an introduction just for this panel as well so they, they, they know who you are. Word, yep. Joey Yilke, partner with Ellis at Kingdom Capitalist. But my main gig is Tribe Outbound. We specialize in helping companies go out and land six, seven, eight-figure contracts through account-based selling. We send a lot of gifts, John. Lots and <laughs> lots of gifts. Awesome. That's what I love to hear. Um, you know, I was just thinking, like, I know everyone has their own thing, but we could, I mean, think about this panel right here. Like we have everything to just go launch the world's next greatest company. I mean, we have Vinny, the CEO, right? We have Pam who makes sure our financial things are in order. We got Mike, the spiritual advisor. We got John who can make sure we're gifting, you know, our sales, our, our gifting is on point. Noah takes care of the creativity uh, Joey does, you know, all of the, the, I mean, for us, he does all of the behind tech, the outbound stuff as well. And then if everything goes really wrong, Jeff can make us all beer, right? You see what I'm saying? Like we, we are set. I got this you guys. The... <laughs> and Pam knows so, where it rains money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We got it all and Ellis yeah. is so our hype man. Like, yeah, and then I literally, I'm the errand boy. <laughs> just tell me what to do. I'm just excited to be here and be a part of it. Um, seriously, this is so much fun. Well, hey, I, I want to get started. Um, I want to just say a quick prayer for us. We've been leading these panels with a prayer and ask God to really use this time. So God, we give you thanks. This is just going to be an amazing finish to what um, an incredible two days it has been. And um, all of this really is for your glory and, and for your name's sake because of what you've done for us, Christ. And so um, just even now, pause to give you thanks and pray that um, as much fun as we're having right now, Lord, I know there's a lot of people who just need, who need this wisdom and advice that you're going to give to them through these leaders. And so I pray uh, that you might speak through us to help our communities in Christ's name. Amen.
So this panel is, um, we've kind of touted it leadership in a time of adversity. And uh, the reason I've asked all of you specifically to join this panel is because um, I, I've watched you personally over the last six months, but even probably more in the last three really lead during this time. And um, you're leading companies, you're leading your family. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to get into today. And then we also, I just want to remind our audience, this is a live Q and A. And so um, I'm going to ask a few questions to get us started, but I want to, this is for you audience. And so please go ahead, write and type in the chat, your questions, your comments, your thoughts from today. We want to make sure we get to those. Um, that's really what we're here for. I, I've actually gotten to interview most of these folks on the podcast. Um, so this is a real time for you to get to ask questions. Um, but, but let's get in here. While, and Joey, if you would just monitor that chat for us and, and kind of be grabbing these questions, giving people a chance to do that. So, so much good stuff was shared here. And I want to ask just two specific questions I had. And these aren't really in any order, but uh, it was so, th these are so powerful. Um, all of us right now are kind of, no matter what business you're in, it seems like there is, we're, we're about to go into most likely a recession and everyone is having to think about contraction. I would just love to, to throw it out there to start this one question. You know, some business leaders, some owners on this conference have never seen anything like this. They started their business in the longest, greatest bull run we've ever seen in our economy. And so this is the first time that they're beginning to experience a contraction, most likely a recession. That's not the case for most of you because you've been in business for a decade or multiple decades. So Vinny, maybe you can start. Um, and then I'd just love to hear from everybody uh, just to, you know, your words or your, your advice on helping our community think about the lessons that you've learned, or maybe the, the most important lesson you've learned from leading and really operating and running a business in a recession contraction. Want Noah go next after um, Vinny, just to make sure we get his, his input as well. Yeah. By the way, a little shout out to Mike. Mike, I had a chance to watch some of your presentation today. I really appreciated your kingdom perspective. I, I realized, I told my wife while I was watching yours, I went very tactical in my discussion. And I'm like, huh, all right, good. I, I really, but it spoke to me, Mike, and I really appreciate it. But one of the things that um, is, is, is some of the scripture that's very important to me uh, focuses around what things that are temporary versus things that are eternal. And uh, Mike made a comment about things that are going to burn up. Most of this stuff is wood, hay, and straw. And the, our, even our mindset as, as a general uh, kind of a U.S. person is we're going to have a very short memory. Uh, some of that's actually a gift is like to kind of like wash things off. And, and, and I guess what I would say is I'm trying to help my people. You know, when you combine our organizations, about 150 people on our team. And I'm, I'm trying to, to talk about we're going to have progress, not panic. And we're not going to be the people that are, um, are, are advancing panic. We're going to be the people who, you know, we take my, not everyone in my company are believers, not obviously, but, but I am. And so my company is not, is, is not a believer. It's, it's a thing, but I am, and I lead it. And so what am I doing to lead from the front? And so my turns, like I'm old enough. Ellis just called all of us old by giving us that. Title <laughs> through this. And I got hired in my first legal job right during the dot-com bubble. And I was like, do I actually have a job? Like what's happening here? And I just remember like 
I, I hear this thing, it too shall pass, right? I keep hearing that in my reflection time, in my spending time getting quiet with the Lord. Like right now, just get outside and go for a walk and get super quiet because this will pass. And this is a great time to look at how much have you really pegged your hope into the stuff that's going to burn up. And so every day, I keep trying to walk through some of those buried idols and I'm just walking my team through that. So my big theme is like what makes sure we're focused on progress, not panic. Somebody can jump in here. Sure. I'll jump in. Um, and great job, everybody. It's been, this is a fun bouquet of uh, experience and perspective. I think I'll probably set something up that John's going to slam dunk later around people. But I think when you do have the world turn around um, and stuff does burn up, like Vinny said, the thing that matters most is what you do with people. And so we have control of that and how we serve our people, how we serve the customers, how we're empathetic and actually get them. I mean, think about, you know, I'm negotiating with my lease and I went to my landlord and I said, Hey, and he's like ready for that. I'm like, your team has got to be exhausted. Like being a property management in today's world, that it sounds rough. And he's like, yeah, like if you, we can, we can change the game there. Um, but I'd say in terms of surviving the recession contraction, you kind of hit on first Ellis, um, our a game changer is how well you leverage the, the, talent you got in people. So we've been doing open book management, have the whole team engaged on risk, opportunity, where can we work together? And frankly, our best savings and our best pivots have all come from the whole team's collective horsepower. It's not been an ivory tower. There's not a silver bullet. So um, it, you kind of get the benefit of the culture you've been building. So if you've been building a culture around team and people working in unity with a clear vision, clear mission, then that pays dividends now. Um, if it's been fragmented, you're going to pay, pay the price tag of that too. But I think team engagement and uh, if you don't know what to do, invest in people because people will be with you on the other side of this storm and you'll be building it with those people. So let's get Noah. All right. Cool. Noah, go for it. Hey guys. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so when I started my business at 16, man, that was before desert storm. The first recession that hit me really hard was desert storm. Um, people might be asking, what was Desert Storm? <laughs> well, that was like the first big one that we went through. Um, it was a big one. 9-11, um, um, we were actually boarding the flight on 9-11 for uh, our actual uh, honeymoon. So that got uh, diverted. But what I remember those, those big time, thank you, those big time happenings that, that took place was like a big grenade that went off. And then there was all this fallout and shrapnel that happened from it. And then there was aftershocks and pings. Some of that is financial. Some is, some of that is mindset. Um, and then you're having to make these decisions within career and how are you making those decisions and the filter? Thank goodness. If it wasn't for the mentorships that were in my life at the time, here's a couple takeaways for me and for, for anybody that comes up like, how do you, how do you get through this time? you have to remember that you're on a kingdom economy, which is hundred percent upside down. When everybody's going out, we are going in and whenever they're going in, we're going out. And so um, it's a game of opposites, especially when you're on a kingdom economy, because we're investing into things that have eternal value that aren't going to burn. Um, but when you're looking at your time and your talent and your money, how am I going to spend and how is my mindset going to be as I wake up and I approach the day, whereas the world is saying the sky is falling, the, the economy is falling, things are bowing out. I'm looking at the fact that I've partnered with heaven. I have unlimited resources. I'm a child of God. I'm, I'm in my father's business and he takes care of those that are called by his name. I wonder if my gaze is upon him and I'm waking up about furthering his agenda. But if it's just all about how can I get comfortable 
um, then you start going into that panic mode. And I think everybody wants to do that. They don't go into pivot, how to be strategic with what God's called me to do and stay on task. I go into this panic, start flipping out. And so here's what I call it. Going through a recession is flying on instruments. What's instruments? That means that you're in the cockpit and it is completely a whiteout or fog outside. And you are literally trusting that your heavenly father has the right coordinates and I'm going to stay in his pocket the sweet spot of who he's called me to be. I'm on assignment, regardless of the circumstances outside. And, you know, I was just encouraging my tribe recently. I just said, listen, can we have the peace that surpasses all understanding that even in the worst of times, we can be taking a nap in a boat while there's a storm completely whirling around us and where the Lord got up and said, you guys are tripping and he calmed the storm. I want to be able to have that piece that surpasses all understanding. And everybody's going, how can you manage to have that? You're going to lose your finances. Your company's going, listen, my father owns this business, not me. My father owns my business development. My father owns everything. And, and Shea Bynes has done a wonderful job of articulating about that. When, when you're about your father's business and he knows that, and you know that, it's really amazing what supernatural things can happen where you do not have to grind. You can just operate in grace. The last thing is I'll tie it up with this. This is what gets me through. And this is pretty big. Um, but this quote right here, uh, we're using this in a script for a, a new movie that we're developing. When you're not afraid of death, you've taken away your enemy's greatest weapon. Are you willing for your company to die? Are you willing for your identity in career or your assignment or the furniture to be rearranged? Doesn't matter how bad a recession's gonna get, doesn't matter about anything. If you're all holding it open-handed before the Lord as a sacrifice, not just having your heart surrendered, but for me as a business owner of 38 years saying, Lord, you can, you can take the thermometer down, you can bring it up. And I'm happy to go with however you'd like it to be. And I think it's a heart, it's a heart posture for us business owners of saying, God owns my business. It's easy to say, but when push comes to shove and things get gnarly, how are you going to manage your vendors? How are you going to manage your team? How, are you willing to just say, hey, this is my father's business. What does that do for me? It makes it less emotional for me. Because mm. if it's my so dad's, if, you know, if it's my dad's, why am I getting so bad out of shape? So that's, those, those are just Excellent. a few, man. I could go on forever, but those are just a couple. <laughs> yeah, that's, and we also had Shay on this. I think you saw that Shay was a speaker today too. So yeah, it's a good Sweet. shout out for her. Um, who's up? I, I, love, I still love to hear from Pam Jordan. I mean, Pam, John, and, and Jeff. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the things that, uh, that both Noah, Vinny, and Mike touched on um, have been top of mind for, for me as well. I mean, one of, the, one of the paradigms that's been really helpful for me over the last week has been an article that was, uh, that was published on Praxis Labs with one of my favorite authors, Andy Crouch, um, who, who talked about that we're in this season where there's, um, it's very tempting to think of ourselves in a, in the, in a blizzard. The fog of war, I think, is what you said, Noah. So, um, you know, where the, the you know, there's snow coming down around us. We can't see anything. We're completely blind. And it's really, um, it's really tempting to get drawn specifically into the context of the blizzard. And we need to, we need to deal with what's in the blizzard. We've got to do that. We have to, we have to deal with how to, how to get out of that immediate tough spot. But I think, I think the way that this is different in a lot of ways, um, you know, I worked in finance during the financial crisis and that was, that was, that was crazy and terrifying, but this feels, it feels different in the sense that um, the uncertainty in some ways uh, is, is actually greater. Um, and so what, what they argue is that we're, we're not, we shouldn't just be thinking about the blizzard, but also think about a winter that's to come. 
so the, the, the blizzard is the next few months, um, the, the, or the next few weeks, the winter is the next few, you know, six to 12 months. And then there could potentially be the third part, which is an ice age where the world comes back and it just looks different. Life looks different. Who survives looks different. Um, our way of life looks different. And so I think as leaders, we have to be in a position where we're able to rely on the Lord and seek his wisdom to sort of plan for all three of those different phases. Um, and, and I think like for, for you know, I'm, I mean, in the reality is like in the middle of this, I'm still learning, I'm still growing incredibly as a, as a leader through this um, and failing uh, as well. But, but three of the key attributes that I've tried to sort of cling to through this is, um, is, is one is transparency. And especially with our with our people, um, to Mike's point, I think uh, honesty uh, and transparency and openness with where, where is our business, how are we doing, uh, why are we making the decisions we are. We're doing you know almost daily updates to some of our employees, including some who are furloughed uh, through this, um, and also not just telling them like a one way communication, but two way communication and asking them things like, yeah, when do you feel safe to come back to work? Uh, what are the things that are on your mind personally? Um, how are you, how's your family? How's your financial situation? Do you need food? Do you need a gift card to a grocery store? Um, and then, um, and then the, the second, so the first is transparency. The second is flexibility, just recognizing in the middle of the blizzard, you have to just navigate um, the, the difficult things, but also flexibility in the, in the winter and the ice age, which is like, we've got to throw our playbooks out the window um, and, uh, and be willing to just to, to have an open hand to say, uh, you know, one of my favorite uh, passages on, on this is in, in James where it says, you know, don't just say I'm going to go to such and such a city and do such and such business, but say, if the Lord wills it, I will do such and such uh, and go to go to such and such city, do such and such business. And so I think we have to have that, that disposition of being really open handed, um, make plans and then keep incredibly open, flexible mindsets. And then the last thing that sort of feels a little contradictory to that is decisiveness. I mean, we're in, 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 when you're in the blizzard, you have to just be incredibly decisive about, um, uh, you know, you don't have as, you don't have the ability to collect as much data. There's, uh, the assumptions we've had about the world are just gonna, are, are, are frankly not very helpful anymore. And so we have to be thoughtful, but we also have to be incredibly efficient and decisive and humble decision makers, um, where we acknowledge we might be wrong. Um, and, uh, but I think our people are looking to us for, um, for decisive leadership that's also, that also acknowledges the, uh, this back comes back to the transparency that acknowledges that we, like, we might get this wrong. Um, but here's why we're making this. Um, we could get it wrong. We could get it right. Um, but, but we're going to, we're going to do the best we can. And, and I think so far we've found that that combination of transparency, flexibility, and decisiveness is, um, has bred a lot of, a lot of confidence uh, not because we have everything figured out, but because people trust that we're that our hearts are in the right place yeah. and that we're really seeking their good and the benefit of our business. Mm -hmm. That's a great word. Um, I'll go. So as far as for me personally, it's all about trusting God um, because, you know, I, I have a plan and a strategy and I've got a six month and a 10 month and a 12 and a five month plan and, you know, like all these things and all that's just out the window at this point. Um, so every day it's just waking up and, and deciding that, okay, look, I'm going to trust him because his plan is better than anything I can come up with and not relying on myself and pretending that I'm in control of all this. And just, as long as I focus on him, it's easier than trying to save the day by myself.
Um, and then the other thing is, as a team, we've been talking about not just surviving this season, but thriving through it. And how can we, um, my company's called Pivot, so it's pretty funny that everyone's all about Pivot. So like, how can we pivot and thrive through this and not just, whew, we made it, but man, we killed it. You know, like we really did a lot. And how we've decided to do that is just by giving a lot. Um, so we've opened up my calendar and my team's calendar and we're having 15 minute strategy sessions all day long um, with existing clients and people that aren't on our list that um, just need help and okay what's your cash flow situation how are you gonna handle the PPP right now is huge so you know what can you get how can you use the money um, and we're not charging for that it's okay here's your here's what's going on here's your options if we can help fantastic if not at least we could share a little bit and then in six 12 months when we're either in the ice age or we're sitting on the beach you know one situation or the other they remembered that oh who are those people that helped me so that's what we're trying to focus on hey ellis uh mike has a diagram he's going to share real quick screen share for the group yeah, yeah i'm gonna let, let let john go and then mike can um show us cool. that yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of great stuff that's already shared. I, I think pouring gas in on the fire. I mean, to me, you know, love God, love people. Like that's what we're called to do. And I think the the um, both believers and non-believers, um, we hold back. We tend to hold back. We tend to take care of ourselves. And I think if I look back through like 2008 when I almost lost the business, there were a handful of relationships that mattered. It's, uh, I think sometimes we get the shotgun approach of saying we got to hit a hundred people, a thousand people, 10,000 people, but you know, Jesus went to battle with 12. And I think we oftentimes think it has to be this huge elaborate plan. And to me, like I'm making bets on a handful of people that I want to run the race with through this and on the other side and going way deeper with a fewer people than trying to go out. And so I'm making bigger strategic bets. We're increasing our budgets um, and gifting and generosity, but we're not doing that just to like, you know, make this huge wide net. It's, it's taking a smaller group of people and saying, I believe in you. I know you got my back. I got your back, you know, and, and serving those people and being strategic with it. And, um, and so that's, that's my thought process, you know, with our, with our people internally, but also externally. And, um, you know, like I, we are doing things for free at times, but to me, like generating cash right now and not being afraid, you know, Michael Hyatt had a great post about like, you know, make something worth, uh, worth money and then charge for it. Cause right now we need cash exchanging hands. And if everybody's just doing everything for free, like nothing really happens unless a sales made and that dollar gets transferred over around. And so I, we're being thoughtful in our and our generosity and our gifts and our free time, but we're also being bold and saying, hey, we have something of value and we have this new product and this new idea of how we can do a virtual keynote combined with gifting. And, and we're getting chapters of YPO and CEO groups and organizations that say, yeah, I'm looking for something different. You know, like I, there's a lot of free noise out there right now. And I think people are looking for something solid to grab onto. And so I'm not being afraid to tell my team like, we're, we're not lowering our prices. If anything, we're, we're going to come to the market with something even better that we can charge more for right now. So good. 
Um, Mike, yes, the, the, the man of many diagrams and charts. Uh, take it away for a few. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing it right if I didn't have a diagram. So I think if I could also say in managing through this, so Vinny, I love Jeff's comment. I love the Praxis guys and the way they talked about this. Um, there used to be this old strategic inflection point diagram that's really popular for business schools in the 90s and 2000s, and I loved it. But I think right now it's a little messier. So I'm, I'm branding this one because I live with girls, the tulip tunnel of uncertainty. And that is, there's a certain point when the business game just changes. And we have to realize that this is a forced shared inflection point across the world, which is great because it's not just you. We're all in this together. Um, it's also been a powerful time to kind of figure out the clarity and purpose of, of why would you want to go forward. But the danger right now is we're all pivoting, like Pam said, and you got this near term, like survive the shutdown, survive, survive quarantine, then kind of crawl out of the cave. But we've all got to be doing the Wayne Gretzky deal of, you know, you don't go where the puck is, you go where the puck is going. And so we've got to be putting our eyes on like, what, how are we going to come out of this with the velocity and intensity at the shifted marketplace? Not hoping we've held our breath and saved enough cash to go back, but actually be primed and ready to either shape or intercept the future marketplace. And the danger is, it's so hazy right now because everyone's pivoting, everyone's testing, everyone's rapid firing is we can't always know whether we're on the inflection curve up or the spiral down and it's, it's squiggly lines, which is why you got to be, you got to step back and keep testing it and looking at what's, what's actually working and, uh, and, and be about creating the new future. So I think as long as we can be about creating what this, what will be successful for our customers and who our customers will be and what they're dealing with tomorrow, then that means we'll be part of tomorrow with them. Um, and so it, I like pictures. So that, that picture is helpful for me. So good. I, I, um, getting right now is incredible at this summit. I mean, just to be able to hear your insights, all of you uh, from that is, is so powerful. J Joey, chat, I know there's a bunch of questions. Um, what's happening there? What are, what are people wanting to ask? Yep. I, uh, Before you jump on that, guys, I was like, one thing that's just on my heart right now, like literally I'm sitting here prayerfully listening to everybody and the Lord's been putting on my heart about like trusting in his sovereignty. It's amazing how when it's all good, I can, I can so quick rest in his sovereignty. But when it's all like we're talking like how we change stuff, pivot, and I'm using that language too. Like what are we doing to, for ourselves and, and, and witness to others? Are we trusting in his sovereignty? Like, like, what are we doing? And that's a big word, right? Because his sovereignty is supposed to exist in the storm as well as in, 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 in the paradise. And so uh, it's, it's an interesting time to be leading at home and my people and, my, and, and, and in my own heart. Like, I have all these plans stored up, but he guides my steps. Am I trusting in his sovereignty? And if I'm not, then why would I expect the people around me to? I think that's a great point, Benny. And, and, it's also really easy to look for signs of God's sovereignty in our businesses. But I think, you know, if, uh, if the, the reality is, if there's one thing we know that God cares about more than anything else, it's people, it's us, it's, it's, it's his beautiful creation. Um, we're, we're the things that are the object of his affection and his love. And so I think this is a great time also to be asking, not just like, what's God doing with me as a leader that will then lead to a better business outcome. But what's God leading me to and revealing in my own heart about what my idols are and what my, um, where my sins are and where he's, how he's made me as a unique individual in his image that has nothing to do with the outcome of my business. 
Well, Jeff, I don't have any of those. Yeah, no, me. I don't have. I'm, I, I, I'm I'm everyone theoretical. I'm We're all. theoretical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, me too. Me too. Yeah. Like, what's he doing in us? Like, what's he, what's he trying to? What's he trying to? How is he trying to stir up our affection for him in a greater way um, through through ways that actually might be really painful? That may, might might look like you know, like losing our businesses or or having significant um, significant hardship. Like, that's those are the moments where he. Uh, where he does his his greatest work and for his greatest the objects of his greatest affection, which is us. Mm. Mm. That's a good word. Vinny, thanks for showing the chat. Yeah. Um, so this is a good question. I think this is this is common. I think we get asked this all the time. I, I think it's funny, but uh, do we or any of us on the panel have mentors in life that we go to for help and guidance in all areas of life? If so, how did you find that person or people? And is there any formality to the mentor mentee relationship? I want to dive on this one just because I was the poor kid who has a massive chip on my shoulder who wanted to do it in spite of the world. And so I, my first run in business, I had an awful perspective to the relationship of advice and guidance. And I had this massive fig leaf covering up all my shame. So the first round or two, I just never looked for help. My motto now is find someone who's a step or two in front of me. Mentors don't have to be just one person. They Lord portions people throughout different times of your life. And so always be looking for that person or persons. And so to me, there's a multitude of counselors in my life, not just one. I would just say, I mean, I, I, I'm intentional about going and being a part of masterminds and different groups and looking out for people uh, in all walks of life and, and being intentional about following up with those people. Most of the relationships are not um, an official mentorship. Mm. I, I would call them a mentor, but I, I, I feel like there's an element of putting pressure on people and expectation of time commitment. And I feel like if you show up, you're, you're intentional, you add value to those people you look to connect with them and then you go follow back up and say, I did these three things that you talked about. Um, they'll keep taking time for you. Um, whatever that looks like is frequently or infrequently that as that is, and you don't need to necessarily put some sort of like, we have to have coffee every Tuesday, you know, at 3 PM because oftentimes that becomes an obligation and enforced. Um, and I think a lot of those the people that you really want to be your mentor are going to pull back from that and say, I don't got time. I don't have time for that, but I do have time for somebody that's going to reach out to me as needed and go do things with the things that I'm sharing and try to bring value back to, uh, to the things that they're, um, that they're working on are important to them. It's good. Yeah. I, I would not be anything I am today without the grace of God and mentors, like my list of heroes and, and mentors and, people I've drawn from is just massive. Um, I would say, I think John was hitting on it a little bit and then he hit it too. I read a book years ago where a guy said, you know, he got kept getting hit in the parking lot. Someone saying, Hey, will you mentor me? And he's like, what are you asking me? Are you asking me to be your dad? Are you asking me to like teach you the world? Like what, what, what that, that can be like a, a big ask. What do you mean by it? And he said, we can break down and think about like categorical mentors. Cause sometimes you're also looking for this utopian, you know, perfect figure to be master of all things. And, if you get to know any cool person, no one is a master to all things. We are all crazy flawed. But if you can go, man, that guy's got the marriage I want. That guy's built this business. That guy's done that well. Man, I like the way your kids turned out. How did you do that? Um, hey, you're, you seem healthy in the storm. If you can think categorically, it allows you to grab even imperfect people and draw mentoring value from them. 
And so I, I think it's both important to go, what are you looking for? Are you willing to ask for it? Are you willing to receive it? And then can you, um, a big question of leadership is who can you learn from? So I've learned from people who I did not agree with them on lots of things, but man, tons of people didn't believe in God, but taught me so much about managing people or managing PLs or making, you know, tough decisions. And so who can you learn from? If you can broaden that and go doggedly hunting for it. And then, um, I also, the key thing is be a throughput of that. So I feel like I've been such a recipient. You got to pay it forward. And if you are asking and giving liberally, I think you'll find yourself suddenly surrounded by a lot of other people that there's just a constant flow of mentoring. And Mike, I would say that also to add to that category is season of life. Certain mm-hmm. things that I need now, I didn't need a couple of years ago. And totally. it's ever changing. Like as I continue to mature in Christ, like there's, you know, there are things that, you know, I think the verse goes to be made mature and complete, which means it's an ongoing thing. And so like, I'm always needing it too. So I'm needing to be matured and complete through this process. And so I'm, I'm looking and listening to what you all said during some of this stuff. And I learned I, that there's a form of mentoring, even in a situation where there's co-leadership going on. So seasons of life, you know, something you could have told me a couple of years ago, I might not have been ready to receive it. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, well, yeah, one, way, one way I've thought about mentorship, and I used to talk to um, my like, young analysts coming into our private equity firm who would be looking for um, a single person who would give them everything. And mm-hmm. one of the things I told them was like, you have something to learn from every person in this firm. And there's no single person who can give you everything you need. Um, because none of them are, and I didn't say this, but because none of them are Jesus. <laughs> um, and so... <laughs> I, I've thought about it in the, through the context of like, um, I've talked about be, uh, being of curating and contextualizing. So we're, we should be curators of good ideas. I almost think of it as like the Pinterest board of, of good like leadership and, um, and I, ideas and mentorship and, um, you know, business, like every single person has something to teach you. And then what you have, our jobs as individuals is, is with the wisdom and perspective that God has given us is to try to contextualize other people's experience into our own experience. And so I think when we set ourselves up to think about a mentors as a, a, a one-stop shop of, of a single person who can give us all the wisdom and perspective we need to operate in our particular context, we're going to be disappointed because no one has lived our life and no one has our particular call and no one has, God has not given anyone else the same call that he's given us. And yet there, every single person we interact with has probably got some, um, has some fingerprint of the Lord on them uh, that allows us to learn and grow uh, from them. And our job is to be observers through the Holy Spirit's power of being able to ask the question, how do we, how do I pull this back into the particular place that God has called me? I love that. I think one thing too that you said that stuck out was the word wisdom. I think that when I think about mentorship and, and I have my own, what I call life board of advisors of, of folks who, who speak in different parts, like Vinny speaks into how I can be really attractive at an older age um, specifically, <laughs> but then I have other guys. Like phys- phys- physically <laughs> attractive, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But outside of that, like what I've learned is like there's knowledge and then there's wisdom. And I think, wisdom is essentially knowledge experienced. So it's actually experiencing that. And so a lot of us can, can learn from books and things like that, but actually going out and, and experiencing it is, is what creates wisdom. And oftentimes wisdom is created through you experiencing yourself or having it imparted to you through 
someone else who's already walked through it for you. And so I think that's something that I've always sought after was people who've walked through it. You know, I don't want mentors who gone through life without a blemish. I want mentors who've walked through it and who've experienced and are now wiser because of it. And so I think that's a great question. And I think it's an important topic that we continue to work on. Yeah, um, we, we beat it to death though. Let's go to the next question. <laughs> Thanks Ellis. Uh, actually, there's not really any other question. Well, Bradley asked you have each, uh, you are each solidified in industries that you spent substantial time and effort in. Do you think your current business is that final business frontier for you or the springboard to other objectives within business? Oh, interesting. Now I'm an entrepreneur. There's squirrels and shiny things and I got to chase them. And quite <laughs> frankly, I think most of us as entrepreneurs, we get bored easily. So once you build something and you've got systems and you've got a team and you've got processes, it gets, it's not as challenging. So it's not as much fun. So nah, this is, I mean, I'll probably always have this business, but I don't intend on being in it day in and day out. I'm, I'm sure I'll have, I don't know, 20 more between now and the time I'm, you know, thinking about retiring because there's too many other opportunities. Yeah. I don't know about how long I'll have the business or not. I mean, that's a flow and cycle, but what's interesting to me is, you know, my aunt and I were talking today and she's a wise lady. She, we were just talking about, and I, I jokingly said to her, that if the governor got on television and said that the virus we all have is an internet virus and you're not allowed on the internet, I'd be like, holy cow, I, I would have been taken out. And she's like, what would you do with that? I'm like, I'm a maverick. I'm getting up and doing something else. I'm not tagging out. Like I, I already, I'm convinced that the, the, you know, the, the wheat and the chafe, they get separated and like, like there's an endurance part of this. And for me, like I, I'm actually, that would have just been a taking a hit. I would have had a couple dents. I've, I've broken more sized businesses than most people are ever going to build. And I'm like, it's just a hit. Let's take that. And we're going to go do another thing. And so I don't know how, if I'll keep a business a certain amount of time, I've had the privilege to sell a couple, but I don't know, like if you really have the heart to kind of be the one who leads something and you've already got that kind of in you and the Lord's kind of already imprinted it on you, this, if this takes you out, then maybe you weren't supposed to stay in. So I went through a, a cool process a couple of years ago. I've been, um, one of the things I've been convicted on kind of a journey for a long time is how do I take my passion for strategic planning and business and make sure I'm doing that consistently in life. So family strategic plan, you know, if I'm in a ministry, not strategic plan, but what's like, what's my strategic plan. And I went through this thing called unique um, by Will Mancini and it's this gospel centered life design process. What I loved about it was it wasn't asking the question of what do I want to be? Cause that's kind of a narcissistic question. You know, we asked earlier the conversation of success and significance is brought up and I, I, I love and hate that topic because I think success or significance is a false dichotomy. If you're a Christian, you can't be successful if you're not being significant, but we also got to ask the question, what makes you significant? And it's not what you want. It's what's God made you for. And so Ephesians 2.10 would say like, Hey, I'm successful and significant if I'm being the, doing the things God made me to do uniquely. And so I probably should figure that out because I can do a lot of other stuff, but God's made me uniquely to do something that matters to him and matters to the world. So if I can live in that sweet spot, I also don't, I don't believe in retirement. I don't believe in quitting because we're made to be, we're made to work. We're made to do things, to do good work. Whether or not you need to get paid for it, regardless. So as long as I'm alive, I've got a purpose to do and I want to be living that out. I may wear lots of logos in that journey, but part of it, what I love through that is, 
it asks you like, why do you exist? And so uh, I can't imagine what the next business will be because I'm not done in this business. And this business is a platform that is consistent with what I believe I'm called to do. So like my, my why I exist, our business exists to equip Christian CEOs and others to build great businesses for a greater purpose. Mine is I'm about catalyzing destiny. I want to catalyze people to live out the destiny they're called to do and catalyze movements that sustain and flourish. Well, this is kind of a supercharged business platform that allows me to do that. I can get to the spot where I'm done or God says, hey, here's the next iteration of that. But my, if this gets taken away, COVID kills my business, all good. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and takes away. I'm still not dead and I'm still got the same calling. So I've got to figure out what that looks like with different, a different market reality. So. That's really good. Mike, I got to follow up to that. Um, if you don't mind, Jeff, Jeff, let me ask Mike this question and then you can, and, and he can either relay back to you or answer it first, but you said some of your presentation to that. What's the difference between identity and purpose? Because that was a question. Maybe you can just speak briefly to that or we can come back, but to, it was a follow up to what you just said, a difference between identity and purpose. I think that was a question from your talk I had. Well, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a small question. Big one, buddy. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that little follow-up question. No, I, I, think it's, I think it's the right question to wrestle with is I am a, you know, I'm, I'm a new creation. I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Like my identity is who he's made me to be. I've exchanged my life. Galatians, Galatians 2.20, right? I've, the life I'm died. Jesus lives in me. Where I'm at and what he's made me, who he's shaped me to be, uniquely different than Ellis and John and Jeff and Pam, that then is like what most optimally fuses that identity in the fact he gave me different gifts, different skills, different experiences, good, bad. And he's got me living in Texas in the Western hemisphere, not in, um, not an Island somewhere else. And so purpose becomes a, a way to articulate that. And I think you have to do some, some significant process work to get clear on not what's your aspiration and, and hedonistic want, but like, no, I think God actually uniquely called me to be about this. And that actually plays out as a father, as a husband, as a part of a small group, as a business leader, like who I am actually when it's clear plays out in all those different contexts. So we can do a whole other. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in here a little bit, Mike, cause I'm, I'm I want to, I've got a little bit of Enneagram eight in me. I can sense challenge that. Or, yeah. I'm a three. So, so bring it. I'll, yeah. I, I want to choose three and an eight fellas. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I'm also, I'm mostly, I'm mostly a seven. So, um, uh, how, how, so there's, I, I agree with you. We've got to think about these questions of like purpose and identity. Uh, I think there's also, uh, uh, there's an, there's an importance of, of, of knowing like what has God just put in front of me circumstantially mm -hmm. that I might never have picked. And that mm -hmm. might be deeply confusing to me. Um, I would never have picked to run a small craft brewery in Atlanta. Um, but, uh, but, or, or, uh, my oldest son has down syndrome. But now, but I have, I have that circumstance that's been put in my life by the Lord providentially. And so I also have to be an observer of the places that God is just like, has just set me up for. I, our brewery started in a Bible study that was just meeting on Monday nights, brewing, homebrewing beer in the backyard. And it kind of just came up on something. And so it just, it just kind of happened in some respect. There was this sense of like, I can't do, I can't do anything else. And I don't feel particularly equipped and it doesn't feel particularly um, in line with anything that makes rational sense. Uh, so there's, there's also, I think, an angle of like, how does, how does what I am doing and what my, what my call, my calling and my, my, my own sense of purpose, 
match up with what the actual real needs of the world are and mm -hmm. with the actual real place that God has put me in, that may actually be a little bit irrational and not so much in line with kind of the individualistic kind of mentality of our culture, mm -hmm. um, but still actually make a lot of sense in God's economy. You know, I would also add, I love that, Jeff, that, you know, really G Jesus kind of cleared the deck. He, he took all the rules away. He, made, he really made a simple set of rules. He's asked us to love others the way he loved us or loves us, right? And so sometimes I like think back to Paul, he just made tents so that he could go beyond point to spread the gospel. Like lots of times as business leaders, and I'm so guilty of this, I'll have this big talk about my identity as a leader and the this, and where, what am I, where am I being called to run this or that? Quite honestly, I could just be making tents and on point to, have, to be in front of more people about the love of Christ. And maybe he sometimes doesn't necessarily give a crap about all the other stuff. As long I don't as care I'm about your tents, Christ. man. Your tents, are, your, your tents don't need to be that great. Just make your freaking tents and sell them and then go pay for your missionary trips, man. <laughs> Sometimes we try to over-spiritualize some things that maybe the Lord's kind of like neutral on. It's like he gave yeah. us the freedom to go have fun with some of that stuff. He's got a wonderful sense of humor and he gives us lots of privilege and opportunity. But at the end of the day, like we're going to be known by our fruits, not by our bank account. Mm, right. Um, guys, we've got about five minutes, and I want to respect your time. And, and this day, our audience has been with us a long time. Um, uh, oh, a great event, Ellis. Great job, Joey. Like this, yeah. like I've only got the little pieces of it for myself, but every time I did, I'm like, darn it, I should have spent more time on this thing. It's great. <laughs> really. we'll, send, we'll send all of you. Uh, we'll make sure you – we're going to create a video portal, and you'll have replaced everything. Um, so if you want to go back and watch. Um, I thought – who said this? I thought it was so excellent. Vinny, you said this recessive, you use this term recessive mindset in your talk um, about you're seeing a lot of this, this mindset of, you know, being in a recession and pulling back. I just want to end maybe with this last question and, and then I'll kind of give you all a chance to have one last final word. Um, I think it's kind of a two on one question because I think one, it's me, us personally, what are the steps we have to take to get out of this recessive mindset and not not everyone has to answer both of these questions, but I think two in there, what, what are the steps we, we have to take to get out of that? And then I would love to know, how are you repositioning to take advantage? Like, how are you specifically repositioning in your world um, to take advantage of this recessive mindset? That I'll just answer the first part of that and let everyone else drag, grab the other two if they want. But to me, I do this with my kids all the time. I even, anyone we need to flip the script. If you are asking questions in your head and you're in your heart, you're like, why this, why that? Then the story is too small. It's focused on you. And you got to flip the script as to what do you want me to do with this father? What, what is the next step? What, what's the bigger part reveal to me what you want me to do with this. I need to flip the script and get the story bigger off of you. The reason we're in recessive mindset is quite honestly, we start to get in a position of fear and it's back to that God's sovereignty part. So I'm not, that message is simple. I'm not here to suggest to you it's easy. I'm just saying he laid out a simple plan for us to do all that. Pam, pivot us. Pivot us. <laughs> um, the thing that's been weighing on me is that this is unifying everybody. Um, any other disaster per se that we've gone through, it seems very localized. It's, you know, we have a snow day, everything shuts down in North Carolina, you know, 
any other, you know, the recession was awful in 08, but it's not like the rest of the world experienced it. And so for me, I've um, been speaking with clients all over the world and it's amazing how it's brought us all together. And so there's been a huge opportunity there of, you know, it's not just us. And so it's how can we love on people everywhere? Because they're still, they're struggling with the same things that we are, you know, people in Israel are, their government's not helping them and they're trying to figure out how to run their companies and love their families and teach their children and, you know, Holland and everywhere. And so um, I love how it's brought us all together and it's made us think bigger and it's not just about me and it's just not just about America and, or our economy. And it's not just a first world problem, this whole world problem. So how can we love better through that? Because it's not just, Oh, I can't go to target and walk around. It's the entire world can't, you know, walk around. So how can we love them better? And it, um, it has also made me feel more connected with people because it's not just me. Um, it's helped me open up my blinders, um, to think bigger and how can I love on people that are further away? Because quite frankly, you know, we just put our head down and work and I, it, it's helped me see people that I didn't see and help me love people that I normally don't touch and be able to say, look, how's your life? And because it's probably a lot like mine where before, you know, it wasn't the same world. So I don't know. That's a roundabout answer to mm-hmm. say, I just feel like the recession mindset and coming over it, overcoming it has made me love people more and feel like I'm more connected with people than I ever have been. Let me, let me get two mindset pieces. I've been talking to teams and CEOs about from, I'll draw from, I'll, I'll use some Jesus stuff because Jesus kind of has some pretty good words to say on this one. Um, loaves and fishes, right? Jesus goes, feeds 5,000 people, looks at his disciples and they go, dude, this is like economics, like more demand, less supply. This doesn't make any sense. He's like, well, what do you have? And they were so caught up in the fact there was thousands of them and 12 of us and this much money and that many mouths. And Jesus said, well, what do you have? Right. We know the story. Like the kid said, I got loaves and fishes and Jesus multiplied a, I got this. That's all I got. He's like, cool. Give me what you got. Watch what I do with that. So I think we underestimate what God will do in a surrendered presence in front of need. And the other is mindset is not about like being Pollyannish and ignoring reality, but it's also not letting what you see be define your total reality. So when they, the Hebrew people are going to the promised land, they send 12 spies in. We know the story. We learned it in Sunday school. 10 come back saying like, there's giants and they're big and we're small and there's walls and it's dangerous. We'll get killed. We should just survive here. And two went, yeah, they're big, there's walls, and there's these giant grapes, and it's lush. And you know what? I think the God who brought us here will take us there. So I think we should go for it. They didn't deny the risk or that it was hard or outlandish. They saw the good and also knew God brought us here. And I think people need to know that God, this is the exact moment we were created for. You and I are living in the exact conditions. God thought we should be doing these businesses with these people in 2020. And so conditions are perfect. I lack nothing. I have everything I need to do, everything God's called me to do today. It may not be what I want it to do today or the way I want it to do today, but I have everything I need to do what he's called me to do. And I just got to be about doing that. I'll tell you, I've talked about Jesus and Easter more this year than I have ever <laughs> in the, most of the years combined. Like if we're looking at God's thing that's going on, there's a lot of evangelism that wouldn't happen but for what's going on right now. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the the uh, the you know, I, I think I think there's a I, I love what all you guys are saying that there's I think there's a there are ways in which in this season we need to be thinking really big and really thinking beyond ourselves, 
And then there's also a way in which we need to be thinking really small um, because those, that's where that, those are the places where the Lord has like, I've been struck by how, um, how, how very, very small the number of people that I have the biggest impact on are. It's my family. It's my employees. um, It's, it's a, it's a handful of close friends. um, And, um, and so on the one hand, we need to be thinking, um, you know, uh, to Pam's point, re- really big and, and, and being open to the ways that God is calling us to that. And then also recognizing that in this season, it is okay for God to shrink our world and to, and to, um, and to, and to, and to leverage us in, in those ways where we're really impacting those very few people around us, but where we have very significant impact um, and, uh, and, and kind of trusting him that, that he'll, he'll, he'll work out and use all of our efforts, big and small, uh, to his glory and our good. good. I think it would be a good idea to just uh, watch this panel about every two to three weeks for the next couple of months with everything that's going on. Um, um, and then we have a, a, a form where we would really love just collect your feedback and that's in the announcements. Uh, and that takes 30 seconds to a minute. We'd really, really appreciate all of our audience if you would do that. Um, but real quick before we go guys, uh, one final word, and let's just, let's, let's put this in a, uh, in a, in a example here. If you were speaking to two young CEOs, let's just say they started a company called Kingdom Capitalist. And, um, as an example, what, you know, what would be a word or a piece of advice or, you know, kind of that, that one thing you, you would really like to talk to them if they were here at this summit. Uh, what would be your your kind of closing remarks to someone like that? Um, I mean, mine mine would be look for people's need. Where where is their need? Where where are people hurting? Where is their um, how in this new uh, new new world uh, are people looking for significance, meaning, um, support? Uh, and I think that that's the great intersection of like capitalism and the kingdom, right? Um, is is how 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 can, how do we meet people's needs? Um, and that that's where the intersection of like good business opportunities, but also uh, faithful caring and stewarding and shepherding of people lies. And that's going to change. It's going to be different than how it ever has been before. Really good. It's not the end of my notebook, by the way. This is my last page. It's all I have. So this is the conference is ending at the perfect time. The the binder ends. (laughs) Focus is the art of elimination. So um, one of the dangers will be everything will seem like it's changing. Everything seems possible. But if you try to boil the ocean, you'll get nowhere. So figure out, like, what is God uniquely calling you to do? Um, what's What's the part of the problem that, you know, there's going to be, there's 5,000 people. Who do I go feed? What was the one part I'm called to do? And so don't get overwhelmed by trying to solve everything, build everything, find the thing he's uniquely called you to do and go build that thing really, really, really well. And then don't, don't do it alone. Don't do it. Uh, that people questioning your answers, answering your questions the whole way through. Um, and don't mistake uh, how for what, like, there's a what you're trying to do. The, the how may have to pivot a lot to get there, but to separate method from purpose from method. Am I talking to someone who's been chosen by Christ? Am I talking to someone who's got a soft heart? Yeah. And I, I think I lead with, we need to be a worker. Show up. 
you know, Jesus turned to his disciples and looked over the crowd and said, you know, these are sheep without a shepherd. You know, I have a harvest. I need workers. And we don't have a lot of workers right now. And I'd say, go read Matthew 9, 35 and 36, and just see where Jesus was talking to his disciples to look over. And then finally, I, we should also remember to work on ourselves a little bit. You know, life verse for me is Second Peter, first, you know, five and six, and it just says, adding things to you, like add to your faith, goodness, to your goodness, knowledge, to your knowledge, self-control. Like, what are you doing that ends that list with adding love to it? And so for me, I got to try to remember the position. There's a whole bunch of people in my life who don't currently have a paycheck. They want to get back to work. And then there are people like me who still have a paycheck and maybe my perspective is going to be a little different. So maybe we could have a little bit more compassion that Christ would have for the people that were lost and harassed. And bring us home. All right. So my advice would be God is bigger than this. Um, and don't put your blinders on and put your head down and, and think that this is the, the end. God has a plan for you and it might be in this business and it might be something else. Um, mm. But find your passion and the intersection of your passion and your gifts and run at it with all you've got. Um, and now is not a time to be super hesitant. I'm having uh, conversations where a lot of people are just, oh, I'm just so afraid. I'm so afraid. Okay, well, you've got to try something. Um, mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work, then reiterate and try something else. I'm not saying mortgage your house, but as an entrepreneur starting a business, you've got to figure out what you're passionate about, what you're good about, at, put them together and try something. And if it doesn't work, try something else. Um, because if you put all your eggs in one basket, especially right now, you just don't know how it's going to go. So put it out there and see what you can do. God's got a plan. Um, listen, everyone, I'm so thankful that you're here. Thanks for being a huge part of making this summit what it has been. And um, really, really grateful for each of you. Uh, I think I've interviewed everyone on the podcast show except Pam. So I'll have to get Pam on there. But if you want to hear more from all of these leaders, you can go back and find their episodes. Um, again, thank you, uh, all of you. And um, I look forward to just continue to watching you all lead in this next season. Thank you, Alice. Hey, guys. Hey, thanks, guys. Good to be with you guys. Bye, all. Thanks. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this show today. If you want to learn more about our community, you're going to want to visit us at kingdomcapitalist.co. There you can find info on our private mastermind and even subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on new shows. And last but not least, land opportunities to get private trainings and coaching calls with the guests of this show. If you're enjoying this show, please take a minute to leave us a five-star review and also share this with a friend. We'll see you next time.